liberty and has been uh, given open access to us to speak to us. We open ourselves to the voice of God, not to the voice of any other spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So, tonight is our final woven until um, we have September. We'll start again in September. So mark your calendars for that. But so I want to teach you something tonight that you could do over the summer. I'll give you something, you know, that you can focus on and pay attention to for yourself. So tonight's lesson is called Living a Valuable Life. Living a Valuable Life. I played around with the heading for a while, but this is what I came up with. (laughs) Living a valuable life. Oh, great. (laughs) Uh, Well, there you go. So, we're going to talk about living a valuable life. And um, I put a little table on my chart. I'll, I'll draw it on there for you. So, take notes if you can or however you do it. But, um... I want us to get some perspective on life, right? So consider if you were not born where you were born, in the family you were born in, and in the country you were born in, under the economic situation you were born in, do you think you would be a different person? Okay? So I'm saying all of this because... All those things I just mentioned are the reasons people would say why they can't do something God is asking them to do. Okay? So, again, if you weren't born where you were born, into the family, into the economic situation, into the whatever system you were born in, would you be different than you are today? Okay, if your answer is you think you would be, that means that somewhere in one of those categories, you think that those things are the reasons why you're not. Okay, which is a problem that you can fix over the summer. (laughs) Heck, you can fix it tonight. Depends how quick you act. But I just want you to consider that thought process as I'm speaking tonight, okay? So let's go to Genesis 1, uh, 1, and we'll start there. 1 to 2. I should probably find it myself. And, um, <clears throat> and I want to show you something that... I think you would agree with me that Genesis 1, uh, in the beginning, so let me get a version that you guys are looking at. What version do we have? New King James? Okay. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. All right? So right away, the first verse of the Bible tells us God created the heaven and the earth. So we see God as creator right away. Okay? The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, 
let there be light, and there was light. So what we see in the beginning is God created the heavens and the earth, but he created it. There was darkness, no shape, no form, nothing. It was a waste. Some versions of the Bible say it was a waste, right? So the enemy sometimes will tell people that their life is a waste. You have to listen to the language of the enemy. It, you can find it in the Bible. So the enemy is the one that causes things to be a waste. Right? So the reason I'm showing you this verse is what God said was, let there be light. When you become born again, you go from darkness to what? Light. So when you receive Jesus as your personal savior, that command is literally spoken into your spirit, if you want to see it that way. You have just been translated from darkness to light. Okay? So now everything we do is, is, is weighed on the scale of what light does. Not what darkness is. Right? So when you become born again, if you were born into a situation that was a total waste, that was formless, void, nobody cared about life, everybody was living in darkness, when you become born again, you become a brand new creation. Right? So now you're, you cannot identify with that anymore because you have been taken out of darkness into light. All of the scriptures that talk about our transformation for receiving salvation tells us this story. It's about coming from darkness into light. So this is the same for any human on the earth. Because the Bible says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Meaning all of us, because we were born on the earth to parents that had the sin nature, we are sinners when we're born. Right. So in other words, we everybody has to go from darkness to light. So you start off formless, all the void, a waste, all it doesn't matter how rich you were or how poor you were or what caste system you came up in or what religion you were all in darkness. We were all in darkness. We all started off the same way. The devil wants you to look at the outside circumstances to determine your value. Okay? So you, every person, the, the person born in the palace, the person uh, born in a homeless shelter, all started out the same way. And the only thing that changes you to become the value that you are supposed to be is light the light of God spoken in you that you receive when your spirit goes from darkness to light. Do you see this? So now you see the perspective I'm telling you. If you feel like you would have been a better person, and nobody ever think that would be worse. They always think that would be better if, okay? <laughs> Somebody always think, I'll be better if this, you know, blah, blah, blah. So if you think that your life is this way because, 
of where you are born, who you're married to, who was of blah, 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 you have the wrong thinking about yourself. And your value is coming from the wrong place. Now, here's the thing. You are responsible to God for what you do with your value. You are responsible to God. He's going to ask you directly, what did you do? And you're going to have to answer for what was in you that didn't come out. Just like the guy who buried his talent had to answer for what he did. Do you notice that the people who multiplied their talent gave the results and the master did not compare the two and say to the one with the five versus the ten, like, how dare you not meet up to the standard of this one? He didn't. He simply said, you know, well done, whatever he said to them, but it was a positive report from the master. The guy that he questioned was the one who didn't even show it to the system that it should multiply in. Because he said, even if you put it in the bank, at least I'd get some interest, right? At least if you'd set it down to do nothing (laughs) in the economic system, I'd still earn something. But instead, you hid it, not just like in your room or something. You literally buried it. You, You took it out of plain sight. In other words, you kept it in darkness. Right? Here's the equivalent of dirt. All the bad things that you felt you went through. That's dirt. (laughs) That's dirt. That's the enemy's dirt. (laughs) There's another word for it, but it's too risque to say on Christian television. (laughs) But (laughs) it all came from the enemy and it has no light in it. And that's what you have put your talent under. So, again, this summer, you need to catch yourself when you're saying, you know, if only this, or, oh, if they would just listen to me, or, oh, if they would, ha, 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 ha. (laughs) That's not true. Look at what Jesus put up with. And the Bible actually tells us, there's so much things that Jesus did in the three and a half years, not in his whole lifetime, in three and a half years when he came on the scene, that the oceans don't have enough ink. And there's not enough paper to write what he actually did, all the things he did. We are seeing highlights, and we can't even handle the highlights. <laughs> do you see? It's what light in you can do. Okay? So, that's my beginning for perspective, so you can see. Um, So you can see where I'm coming from. Okay, so I want you to consider making this list. Um, And we'll do these categories. I'm just giving you an idea of categories you can start um, holding yourself accountable in. Right? This this summer should be all about accountability. You take this on yourself. Accountability. Okay? Um, Health. I'm going to do it like this. I'm making a table. Health, wealth, and legacy. Okay? Or slash fruit. Okay? Now, 
If we go to 3 John 2, and um, we all know this, but I'm doing this from the Amplified. I'm reading this one from the Amplified, 3 John 2. So this is one scripture in the Bible that gives light on God's desire for us. (laughs) Just one scripture. It says, Beloved, I pray that in every way you may succeed and prosper. Okay? And be in good health, physically, just as I know your soul prospers spiritually. So we see... 3 John 2, okay, agrees with Genesis 1 and 2, how God made the garden and how the humans were that lived in it, right? So he wants us to be healthy, right, Um, wealthy, so succeed and be rich. Right, And these two combinations are the things that will allow us to produce because we're able to do something and we're able to leave something. So the health helps us to do something with our physical body to actually do something. And the wealth gives us something that we can leave legacy of. Do you see this? So, what does the devil tell the church that's dark, that causes them to cover it up with dirt and fight people who try to only say this verse? Okay? What does he tell them? That God is using this. He's make, God's making you sick so he can teach you. And if you're rich, that's equivalent to being proud. And wicked. Right? And, and does he go tell the rich church people this? No, he doesn't. Generally doesn't. He won't tell a rich doctor that either. <laughs> he, he tells the people in the church who, whose identity are hooked to where they came from, what they don't have, and how they've been beaten up. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you were born a multi-billionaire in that household, would you even think that being rich is bad? Like, it wouldn't even cross your mind. (laughs) Okay? Because it's your identity when you were born, you were rich. So that would be like telling you that you're evil because you were born rich. Okay? But now, (laughs) the people who are born poor, that are supposed to be rich... The devil tells them they're evil if they try to get rich. When the Bible actually says that he'll cause you whatever you touch to prosper. I don't know if that's a different word for rich. <laughs> like, I don't know if prosper means poor. <laughs> it doesn't tell us vocabulary. You understand what I'm saying? It doesn't tell us anywhere where we should judge rich people. It gave one story where the rich man, instead of helping his poor neighbor that was asking for help, decided not to help the neighbor and instead build a bigger barn. So the devil uses one story in the Bible to convince Christians worldwide that if they decide to store wealth, 
which takes you over here, then they're evil. Incidentally, Judas was part of the discipleship team that thought and said things about how Jesus handled money when he received the perfume, the one-year wages from the woman. And his saying was, he should have sold it and given the money to the poor, or she should have, whoever, somebody should have sold it and given it to the poor, as long as you don't have it. And Jesus said, the poor you're always going to have with you. But this, this woman, what she did is going to be told wherever the gospel is shared. Do you see? Legacy. What she did, legacy. I'm telling her story here today. Do you see the fruit? Do you see? Right? So again, this summer, if you secretly judge people who talk about money, ask for money, say they need money for something for God's kingdom, say they got money somewhere, say the, say the word money in church, and you get offended, you are covering up the wealth part of what you can have with dirt, with darkness. So that area of your life is unformed, it's a waste. That area of your life is a waste. It has no shape, it has no form, it can't do anything. Okay? Whereas the light that's in your spirit from being born again has a plan for your personal wealth. But you have buried it because of what other people have taught you. Not because of what the Holy Spirit taught you. Because of what other people have taught you. Jesus told the uh, people at one point, let the blind lead the blind. So there are people that are leading people that are blind. Right? So if the Bible says it and has stories about it and gives illustrations about it and tells you all that God's not a tease. He doesn't, he's not a tease. He, if he says this is what my children can have and you say you are his child, then you can actually lay claim to it no matter where you came from. This is what you have to know. No battle that you went through, no demon that's attacked you, no, no missing ingredient from your childhood qualifies. It cannot override what the light of God can do. It just can't. It's impossible. <laughs> it's impossible to override. And the only person that can change that for you is you. Nobody else could change it for you. You have to be the one to make decisions for yourself. Again, if you were never born where you were born, you didn't grow up in the town you grew up in, you didn't live in the country you lived in, you didn't have the economic system you were born into, you didn't marry the guy you married, had the children you have, would your life be different? And if any of the reasons why is, yeah, because of them, it would be better, <laughs> you have a problem. You have a value problem that you are hiding under darkness. Okay? 
And so there's things in you that has not been developed. They be, why? Because they didn't see light. The light of God didn't touch those gifts in you. It hasn't touched those words in you. It hasn't touched the pages in you of your plan. There are cells in your body that never got the light spoken to it. Because it's missing the word of God. You see? Okay? So, um, legacy, I want to explain what I mean by legacy. Legacy is um, being able to tag someone to continue doing what you started. That's what Jesus did. Remember? He said, listen, um, before I go, I want to meet you guys go meet in the upper room. I have a gift for you. And they received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then he also spoke words to them. And he said, greater works than I've done, you will do also. Right? So he tagged them. He tagged his disciples. He tagged 120 people with the Holy Spirit. Well, 120 showed up. 500 he asked, but 120 showed up uh, and waited that's the key, and waited, and they were tagged with his legacy. And they, they kept bearing fruit of which we are. You see? And when Jesus walked the earth, if being sick as a tool of teaching and being poor as a reason, as how you live, Jesus would have done both and given big examples of where he stayed in bed for five days go, being taught. Do you I mean, like, wouldn't that, make, wouldn't that be how God would do it then? Right? Instead, the Bible records that Jesus went around healing all those who were sick and oppressed of the devil and casting out demons. And doing good. He went around destroying the work of the enemy. Okay? So you have to start thinking of these things for yourself. God put himself in you. So you can talk to him about it. Stop diverting to what you grew up in. It's a trap from hell. And the devil wants that legacy of hell to be transferred in, through your life to your children. And to your neighborhood and your grandchildren and all the people you come in contact with. He wants his legacy to go just like Jesus' legacy was supposed to go where we do the works of him. If you potently expose your value to the world, what could you do? What could people be talking about you? What could they be hating you for? For real. They hated Jesus for a lot of things. They hated Jesus. Who hates you for something? What have you been recently been hated for? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like if the, if the darkness likes what you're doing, something is wrong. <laughs> you should not be loved by darkness. There's a, an error in your programming. Being loved by darkness is not the model for witnessing as the devil has taught the church. I.E., may I present, example, John the Baptist. 
He was the wit- he wasn't he the one that walked around before Jesus came on his ministry and said, "Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand." He was so rough. He wore clothes that everybody else didn't wear. He didn't even fit in to look like them. Do you see? So when whatever teaching has taught you that you have to be nice to the sinner so they can come to Jesus, it is pride and flattery to receive that because that says you have something to do with them coming to Jesus. When in fact the Bible says that lifting up the name of Jesus is how people are drawn. And it's the conviction of the Holy Ghost that causes people to repent. It's not how good you are and how, how much compromise you allow. When has that worked? Who has been compromising with their family for 50 years and they're still stuck in darkness and sin? Nobody has changed. It's all a bunch of lies and baloney and dark soil. The type that stinks. <laughs> I'm going to say that word for myself. I have a feeling. Okay. In Guyana, it's not a cuss word. Uh, <laughs> I'll speak to my Guyana audience about that. So, <laughs> so the question is, what makes a difference between you and another person? What makes a difference? Like, what is the difference? The other thing you need to look out for is to make sure that you don't develop a life message that describes all of the overcoming you did against what was done against you to display your value to the world. That's another trap from hell. Because anytime we identify our value and what we overcame, we are hooking up with the devil. Because he was the one that did it in the first place against us. When in fact, it should be a testimony. So if you overcome something, right? We overcome with the blood of the lamb, And the word of our testimony. A testimony in court could be either for the defendant or the plaintiff. Right? You have to decide whose side your testimony is supporting. So if when you get out of the courts of public opinion and they're left with, oh my gosh, look how much the devil did to her. And they can't remember how much God did. You went in and testified for the enemy. You're his witness to tell how much bad stuff he can do. When did Jesus ever do that? When did Jesus ever highlight how great the enemy was? We have records of him taking whips and beating them. We have records of him calling them brutal vipers and whitewashed tombstones. We have evidence of him calling them dead men's bones. <laughs> we have evidence of him telling the enemy to shut up. Right? So we have to decide who we testify for. And another way to know who you testify for is what witnesses you get mad at. Uh Uh-huh. 
Because the witnesses that are telling about how good God was to them and all the great stuff he did for them, and you get mad and you think they're being proud, you would have felt much better if they came in and said how terrible they got beat up, how the enemy attacked them. If you have those two things, you decide which side you're on. It tells which side you're on. Do you see? It tells whose witness you are. So this is a summer project. You see why it's a summer project? <laughs> we got a lot of soul searching to do, don't we? Literal soul searching because that's where it's stuck in its soul. Right? Because your soul prospers as your health and your wealth prospers as your soul prospers. So if our soul is set to things, mind, will, emotion, soul, our mind, our will, and emotion, so our mind thinks that Pastor Fiona, Dr. Fiona as they call me now, is being proud when she is saying all these things about herself. That she's like perfect. And you <laughs> and you're upset because you can't match up to that. You weren't supposed to match up to me. Show me your value. Where is your value? What is your value? There's no you shouldn't be matching up to me at all. I need to see your value. Tell me about your value. Quit criticizing mine. Do you see how this works? But the enemy has created an atmosphere of competition and comparison. And that's what people are dumping dirt on top of each other. So you have to decide. When you start getting all restricted inside, when you hear people say certain things, stop and think about you. Why are you having that reaction? Not why don't they stop. It's why are you having that reaction? What is your problem? What has been planted inside of you that's stuck in your soul that's holding you back? Do you see? Now, um, let me go to another scripture here. Everybody okay? Now, okay. The value of the blood of Jesus is priceless. His value is completely priceless. There is no system on this planet in the universe that could weigh and be compared to the value of the blood of Jesus. When we go from darkness to light, that's what purchased us. It was the presentation of Jesus' blood, which is an evidence in heaven. And the earth evidence is in us. In us, when we get transferred from darkness to light, he's in us, his blood, the precious blood of Jesus. So when we bury our value... We're burying the evidence of the precious blood of Jesus from operating through us. So then the world sees a Christian that's totally getting beat up all the time with no, no end in sight. And what would they think of the blood of Jesus? What could they possibly think of the blood of Jesus? They can't think about it because they don't see any evidence of any power. They don't see the value. There's no evidence that it's so valuable that it's to be 
longed for. Not to be given like an alms. The blood of Jesus is an alms. <laughs> it is to be craved after. It is to be longed for. The, on the day of Pentecost, folks, when the Holy Spirit fell on the people and they went out into the thing and, and they start talking, everybody wanted to know what they should do to be saved. Peter got up to, get, to preach. I don't even think it said he got to the end of his sermon. 3,000 people got saved. There was no presentation of how long we've been stuck up there for 40 days. We don't even know how long it's been and blah, blah, blah. Uh-uh. It was a representation, a witness to the power of the resurrection of Jesus. Being poor is not how we represent it. Being sick is not how we represent it. It is the greatest kingdom to ever exist that will have no end. This is the kingdom that's never going to fall. We are children of that kingdom. Can you put a value to that? The earth has no system to value it. So we don't need to try to be evaluated by the earth to decide how important we are, how much valuable we are. When you step into an environment, they should be longing for what you have in them. Look at Joseph. He went before a king. Every person in the palace that was highly educated specifically for palace work, they were specifically trained to work in the palace, could not answer what God put inside Joseph to answer. Joseph didn't present himself as a prisoner. In the evidence that he went and changed his clothes. Mm-hmm. You know how many people would have showed up in their prison clothes just to make the point? <laughs> just to make the point. Mm-hmm. This summer, you should reevaluate how you dress, how you talk to people, how you present yourself in public, represent the kingdom of God. You really should. Dressing, meaning how you present your demeanor. Are people going to feel sorry for you when they see you, or do they want to be like you? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Are they going to be giving you alms because, oh, poor old so-and-so? Huh? You know, I've torn up checks from people before. I have torn up their checks because they wanted to give in to uh, the Bless Your Home ministry, and they were pedophiles. They wanted to hook in with things, like, and they were like doing some kind of like, you know, like alms, poor, poor, poor. No, I am not calling my children poor, thank you. Right. I don't present it that way either. But I don't, I don't allow things to hook up because I'm so desperate. Right. I just say to God, this was, a, I could tell. And the Holy Spirit will quicken you, like some of them I didn't even know. And I tore it up. They're probably still waiting for the check to be cashed. And I don't have to give an explanation either. When you know your value and you know what cause you represent, okay? When you know what kingdom you work for, it's the kingdom where every knee will bow. <laughs> You've already bowed. You're in the kingdom. Everybody who hasn't bowed that's outside the kingdom, they're going to be bowing. Okay? 
You don't have to bow to them to beg them to come into the kingdom. Everybody gets the opportunity like you did. Don't make the devil talk you into being some poor old somebody so that somebody can get saved. That is pride and it puts you in a wrong position because you're not the one that's getting them saved anyway. It is the conviction of the Holy Ghost that does the job. And if you want to put yourself as a representation and you're going to be so holy and poor and weak and lowly, (laughs) you have devalued the kingdom for which you are part. Okay? It's a trap from hell and it's putting dirt over your value. Okay. Now. What time is it? 28. Okay. Um, so the precious blood of Jesus is 1 Peter 1.19. You can put that verse down. All right. Then 1 Thessalonians 2.13 is where the um, speaking of salvation, we thank God continually for this when you receive the word of God concerning salvation, all this stuff, okay? It's a thankful position to be in. See, every time we present ourselves as like these poor old Christians, it is ungratefulness. It is not thankfulness. You're certainly not entering the gates. You're not entering the throne room because you're supposed to enter the gates with thanksgiving, And his courts with praise. Who are you praising in the moment when you say, poor old me, I'm a Christian? You ain't praising God. You see how the devil twists these things? So you're praising the devil all week, coming into church, trying to enter in. Well, honey, you don't have no practice. You've been using the wrong key, trying to get in the throne all week. And then you come here telling us the devil's beating you up. Well, I wonder why. You've been in the courtroom giving him witness. You've been an eyewitness for how great the devil is, how much greater he is than you. And then you read the scripture, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Really? (laughs) That's kind of hard to be convinced of right there. Do you see the twists of how the devil ties people up? And they think this is godly. It is not. (laughs) None of it is godly. It might be a lowercase g, But it ain't the godly that's king of kings and lord of lords. That's the one I want to serve. Okay? Okay. (sighs) Isaiah 60.22 says this. I'll read it to you and then just write it down. Isaiah chapter 60 and verse 22. If you read that whole thing, you'll get an eye-opening. The little one shall become a thousand... And the small one, a strong nation. I, Jehovah, will hasten it in its time. The devil can't do nothing like that. You know what he does to the little one? He kills them. (laughs) The devil kills the little ones. That's what he does to them. And he takes every great nation... And bites them down to size so he can control them. That's what he does. I will never be a witness for him. Ever. (laughs) Mark 11.23. We all know, if you're in the word of faith, this is like an anthem. Yet a lot of people in the word of faith are defeated. 
I, I'm reading this book from um, Charles Capps, who's gone on to be with the Lord, about the tongue, the creative power of the tongue. Oh, my God. And he was saying, it's not about the power of the words that come out of you. It's about the word of your power. <laughs> it's about the word of your power. So you know the Bible talks about uh, the power that dwells richly in us, right? Why can some people say things that they could say the same scripture and they have results and you don't? Because the words they speak have power that has been built up in them. So the word of their power, when we take the power of God in us and we grow it by faith with the word of God, okay, the power of that word in us grows. So when we speak that same word, somebody else who didn't do that would say, our word has power. There goes your value. So when God's word goes into you, what kind of value comes out of you? Right? We all have access to the Bible. Several versions. Even that's a problem for some people. (laughs) Okay? We are responsible to take those words from the Bible and put it inside of us. And when we put it in there, it's not for the sake of figuring out if it's true. Oh my gosh! (laughs) If you are at that level of trying to figure out if the word of God is true, there's something wrong here, people. (laughs) You got some dirt you got to get over. It is true! There's nothing a lie in the Bible. When the Bible describes who the devil is, it's true. When he describes that he wrote a book about you before you even showed up here, it's true. (laughs) There's so many things that God could have put in the Bible, but he chose those things to put in there so you and I could get a true image of the kingdom for which we belong and see the value of it. And use it as a sword. A weapon as it was intended to be used. It's not intended to be used as a compromising button. (laughs) It should be used as a weapon against the enemy. And in you, it should be a showroom for the Christian community to see what's what's possible. Because the Bible tells us that those who live in darkness, it's like they're standing in front of a mirror blind. They can't see. So no matter what you show them, they're in darkness. They're not going to believe you. They need light first. This is why you trying to be all nicey-nicey to them and all that isn't going to (laughs) work. That's not light. You can't give them light. Only God could give his light. Only the Holy Spirit can come in and give the light. We can't give the light. We can be the light. But we can't give somebody else the light. Do you understand? In other words, if I came to your house and you said, hey, our power went out. Can you come over? Do you have a a flashlight or a lamp or whatever? I come over with my lamp. 
I said, while I'm here, we can use the lamp. When I leave, guess what happens? I take the lamp or I loan it to you. But either way, it ain't your lamp. So it's not your light. You understand? You would have to get your own light to have the same benefit of that light. So it's the same thing with you when you're holding up all your family members in prayer and you're doing all this stuff. You're lending them your light, but they still don't have the light. (laughs) They need their own light inside of them. All right. Now, um, I said, okay, Mark 11, 23. That's where we stop. Now, hair is a key, folks. The whole Mark 11 thing. You shall have what you say, not what you think. You have to open the mouth and breathe out the words from your tongue being controlled by the words of God. The Bible tells us in James, if you can control your tongue, you can control your whole body. The person who can control their tongue is a mature person. Controlling the tongue is not, uh, is not being afraid to say the truth. That's not controlling your tongue. (laughs) Controlling your tongue is saying the truth in love. That's controlling your tongue. Controlling your tongue is not repeating what the enemy is doing to you as some eyewitness. That's controlling your tongue. Because wherever your tongue goes is where your life is going. Where your tongue doesn't take you, you're stuck right there. You can daydream all you want about it. But until you can open your mouth and say it out loud, nothing's happening. Because by the word of your power coming out of your mouth, that's how things happen in your life. So when you're looking at somebody else's life and being jealous of what they're accomplished, and you start saying, if I had that, and if I had that, and if I had that, I could be like them too. That's a lie that the devil has fed you your whole life and you believed it. And you feel just fine with that. You're like, okay, I feel better now. Thanks. <laughs> I feel so much better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to the gym now for a while. I notice there's people bigger than me. Some people smaller than me. And some just like me. And we're all at the gym. We have access to the same equipment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we go every day just like everybody else, but we're all getting different results. And so there's something different here. So if you want to get the result of either the bigger person or the smaller person, then you need to figure out what the bigger person and the smaller person are doing. And because they're bigger or smaller than you doesn't mean that's why you're the way you are. (laughs) Because here's the point. You have the same gym. They have the same gym. Do you see what I'm saying? They're living in your neighborhood, most likely, like, you know, within proximity that they could come to the same location. I mean, really, <laughs> like, do you see how we fool ourselves? And we say, well, if I blah, 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 they have 24 hours. You also have 24 hours. Like, you know, really, <laughs> you know, they have a Walmart close to them. So do you. They have a Target. You know, they have all these. Uh-huh. 
When you, start ev- when you start evaluating the excuses you've made for yourself and see that somebody who have those same exact conditions are doing what they, are, they're getting the results you wish you had, that should shut you up right there. Like for real. <laughs> but the devil is there to make you feel comfortable in darkness. Never forget this. The devil's job is to make sure you're comfortable in darkness. The Holy Spirit's job is to comfort you as you're exposing yourself to the whole open light. You're like, okay, Holy Spirit, just hold me a little tighter. I need some help here. This is like really like, wow. (laughs) Do you see what I'm saying? So you have to say, not just like, well, I've been thinking that I should do this. Well, what have you said about doing this? So your words are going to precede your action. So if you've been thinking that you want to get a better job, but you've been saying, (laughs) there's no jobs out there, nobody's going to hire me. The market is not for job hires. Then, um, I mean, this isn't rocket science here, (laughs) but what kind of an atmosphere are you creating about you? Do you see what I'm saying? You're saying for you, the job market isn't a benefit. The, you know, they're not going to hire you because of this, that you have no experience, blah, blah, blah. And you gave your, like literally nobody knew your resume until you out, you, here world. (laughs) Do you ever see those movies or shows or whatever where uh, somebody doesn't have a spouse or they're trying to date or whatever, right? And uh, (laughs) on their first date, they're telling the person all the bad relations there. (laughs) Like this. Generally not a a recipe for success (laughs) in the dating world. Like from all the examples I've seen, it never has really worked out too well. (laughs) Do you understand what I'm saying? Well, it's the same thing. Think about it. We have angels all around us that work for us from God's kingdom. And then you got their, their enemy, demons who fell, who got fired with their leader, right? So in the angelic realm, these angels, they're literally facing off with their opponent all the time for your life. Your own life, they're having this face-off. And every day, God's angels have to watch while you give the devil's angels props. And while you send them an assignment for you, and God's angels are stuck, hoping you give a little smidge of something they can work with. For your own life, not somebody else's life, your own life. And the devil's angels are very diligent because they get beat up bad if they don't do their job. Yeah. This is what happens behind the scenes, folks. It's not where you were born. It's not whether you have a handicap or not. It's not whether you're a caste system, rich, poor, billionaire. It's whether or not you have buried the value. That's what it comes down to. It's whether or not you've buried the value. Okay. So, Mark 11, 23, we have to say. You can watch here and think the mountain all you want. It ain't nothing's happening. <laughs> okay? You know, if you're thinking, let me put this in perspective. You know, the devil has a thing for thinking too, right, by the way, the positive thinking camp. 
A lot of these people kill themselves, honest to God. You know why? They think all these positive things, but there's no substance in them to actually say it out. So because they can't say it out, they never do it. And you know what the Bible says about uh, a heart, um, hope deferred makes the heart sick. When you have a sick heart, you want to die. Right? So the devil creates this whole atmosphere of positive when in fact he's got armies of people planning that are going to kill themselves. That's what's going to happen because they're going to feel bad that they didn't produce the positive thing. Well, you can't because there's no light in you to create that kind of environment. Do you understand what I'm saying? The demons can only bring so much success. They can't go past a certain level, which is something new that God gave a revelation to Doug and I on our 25th wedding anniversary while I was sitting there having brunch. Um, we're discussing, Pastor Doug made a list of 25 things that, um, 25 revelations he's had in 25 years of marriage or something like that. He loves to make lists of things like that. And then he has a list of 25 things we can do for fun or, you know. So that was his anniversary um, conversation while we were getting ready to order. So as soon as he opened his mouth and said something about uh, when he said, oh, so here's a list of the 25 things uh, revelations got. I went, oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> this means we should consider going up 25 degrees, 25 levels. We should have 25% more. Blah, blah, you know, like we should do 25. We should accomplish. You know, like he didn't even do number one yet, right? <laughs> And I said, I said, oh my gosh, because the devil can only go up to seven. He can only do seven. And right in that moment, it all came. I went, oh, because the Hebrew children, the Hebrew boys, the three Hebrew boys, he could only do seven times hotter. He can't go past seven. Then if, if your enemy comes at you one way, he has to flee seven ways. And then if, if you catch the thief, who is the devil, he owes you seven times more. God would have put more on him if he could have given you more. He ain't got more to give. So God says you give him all seven times. You understand what I'm saying? So the devil can only go to a certain level. But Christians are barely at one. They're like balking at multiplying times one. So imagine your whole generation. Imagine the generation before you, before them, before they were all Christians. But everyone's operating at level one and two, maybe three. Gee, if they're really great, they're like a four. The devil can mess with all that. You get past seven, which becomes eight, right? New beginning, he can't touch you. Study it out. Study it out this summer. That's one of the things I'm going to be studying. So then Pastor Doug read his number one on the list, and then we went over there. But do you see, like, every time you come to an anniversary of something in your life, you should expect higher levels. You know what I'm saying? Like, you should just expect it to be. Not look back and go, well, we don't make much progress again this year. And only I want some blah, 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 blah. Huh? <laughs> Here's some options. Here's some options. Cut your losses and get out of it. Or buckle up 
and start speaking what you want. Two options, folks. That's how you do it. You, what you have is what you have created with your own mouth. That's what you created. What you put up with is what you've accepted with your own yes. If you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. Your yes and your no is what you have. Right? Okay. Um, so you have to. Okay, so here's what I said. I made a statement. So your issue may not be doubt. You know, everybody's like, well, I wish I had more faith. You know, but I just doubt. <laughs> you know what your issue might be? Instant gratification. Because you know the results of doubt. And you've already rationalized that you can live with it. But you don't know the results yet of unimaginable success. And so you just can't bring yourself to, to confess that and speak that out loud. And so you blame doubt. <laughs> and in doubt, you can't have doubt if you never had faith. <laughs> what are you doubting? <laughs> I mean, think about what are you doubting? <laughs> you can't have faith for the thing. How are you having doubt for it? Like, that's like the atheist saying there is no God, but they're upset because you're saying something about God. Well, really? There is no God. There should be no issue. <laughs> do you see? So examine the things you don't want to do or that you doubt you could do and see if you're not feeling better because you get the instant feedback of nothing or failure, which you have become quite comfortable with. I'm just saying, I hate failure, so failure and I are not friends. And for me, the way I don't become friends with failure is if I try something and it didn't work, I don't not do it again. So the way to not be best friends with failure is to keep doing the thing that you failed at because... What you did get this last failure trip was more information that you didn't know before. <laughs> so, <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? So you simply take, now you take that. It's like getting um, the spoil from a fight. You take the spoil. The spoil was intelligence. You take it, and you use it against the last bout of failure. You understand what I'm saying? Here's a good clue. You just got to do it seven times. I mean, really, if you think about, if you think of this number seven, like, seriously, start counting them. You know, the Bible even says, a righteous man will fall. I think it says seven times. But the Lord will raise him up from, oh, my gosh. <laughs> you should start counting. Go, okay, one, two. But what does the devil do when you get past one? He's like, oh, my gosh, you're such a loser. Dirt. And he said, well, I'll give it one last shot because I saw somebody else doing it. I'll do it again. You failed again. Dirt. Boom. Another loser. Told you how many times you want people to see you as a loser. <laughs> how much more intelligence do you want me to give me? Because this ain't going to end. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? I mean, you know, my, my thing with the doctorate, you know, when the, when the company dropped me, I was like... 
just like in disbelief. I was like, I cannot believe you just did that. So I, I called and I got the CEO. I literally got, I figured, somebody told me what plant he was visiting. And he actually answered the phone. They said he has a call and he answered me. After I talked to him, I thought to myself, my God, I would never work with a fool like that. Mm-mm. He does not deserve my information. That's what I thought to myself. But I was still ticked off that I got all this other work to do now. <laughs> they wasted my time. But God came through and I still did it. I was never thinking I would never do the, get the degree done. My thing was, man, you know, seriously, I don't want to go back and have to research and change the name of the company and do all that work. <laughs> That's just ridiculous. But I did it. You see what I'm saying? So the testimony is that I whooped the devil's butt with God's word and his power in me working out. You understand what I'm saying? That's my testimony. When I go to court with that story, God gets all the glory. And it's even better one that I could have made up. You see what I'm saying? So this is how your life should look. And when people get, you know, to be blessed is, is to be enviable. If people aren't envying you, you haven't even touched there yet. People should envy you. They should hate you. They should not want you. <laughs> I mean, is this so hard to accept? It's what they did to you. And Jesus said that they hated me. They're going to hate you. But they're going to hate you because of me. Again, it's not because how great we are. It's because of whose power we're showing. That's what the devil hates. You have to keep it in perspective. If you keep it in perspective, you won't be shy about sharing success. Because you, in, your, in, in the atmosphere around you, they can tell who you're giving glory to. Give your angels something to mock the enemy about for the love. Like, seriously. Give your angels a win, will you? <laughs> like, they're standing in front of the enemy all the time in your life, and the enemy's laughing and mocking because, again, another day, got them. <sighs> Come on, folks. <laughs> just start counting. If you want to figure, just count. One. Two, just count. He can't go past seven. I'm telling you, he can't go past seven. It's impossible for the devil to go past seven. As soon as eight comes around, it's over. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to read what I have here. If your tongue can't say it, your world that you are creating cannot be created by you. That means your world is being created by somebody else's tongue. And all you're doing is saying yes or no to it. You have just given up speaking into your own life. You just let somebody else decide. And you go, okay, well, I guess. That's a yes. <laughs> I don't know. That's a yes. Everything is a yes, except if you say no. <laughs> in the enemy, yes, silence is a yes. In the enemy's kingdom, in the enemy's kingdom, Everything is a yes unless you say no. Because the enemy's kingdom doesn't go by the will of a person. It goes by the foothold of a conversation. We should put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> 
So even if somebody comes and unloads on you in your own house and you, you're just quiet because you're being the good Christian, you have just said yes to everything they've said. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, <laughs> we have examples sitting among us. <laughs> um, could your need for instant gratification cause you to speak the problem because you don't have to be disappointed or wait for results? That's what I wrote. So your need for instant gratification to get results. Here's what happens. You don't care what the result is. You just want it closed. You want closure. Train yourself to be open-ended, honey. Here's why. The kingdom of God, it's open-ended. You know why? We don't know when Jesus is coming back. Neither does Jesus. (laughs) Jesus doesn't even know when he's coming back. So all this work Jesus did, it's still open-ended as to how many are coming because he doesn't know when the end is coming. The Bible actually says that. Jesus, Jesus doesn't even know when he's coming. You're looking at me like I'm speaking Greek. <laughs> Don't get so comfortable with closure that you try to do anything you can just to get closure. Uh-uh. Leave it open-ended, honey. I do. I'll leave it wide open-ended. <laughs> and it closes when I decide. Oh, yeah. You really don't want to get in a fight with me, but that's a different story. Okay. Um, the problem may be more of a sure thing for you. That's just what I wrote. Because you get hooked up with people who have evidence of dealing with the depth and height of those problems. And at least you know what their results were. So you brace yourself for that same result. Ever hear these diseases? They have these... Um, what do they call them groups uh, support groups yeah you know what the support is for it's not for wholeness honey it's for when the thing happens inevitably it won't hurt so much but bottom line is there's death coming <laughs> here's what we did when it showed up that's what the support group is for right. you know the alcoholic anonymous group yeah that's what that's for you're gonna there's about you know guess guess how many times you're probably relapsed seven anyway <laughs> but listen when we come in the light nothing has to relapse you don't have to wait to count that i'm just simply saying there's a verse that says if the righteous man so if you identify as righteous not some poor old sinner that's the other problem okay if you identify as a righteous person then you know that falling is only as it has a limit you don't have to reach the limit but there is a limit (laughs) That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I guess the limit would be equivalent to what people call rock bottom. So <laughs> I don't plan on reaching none of the enemy's goals. Like, it, it, in other words, it's not a goal that you get past seven. The point is the enemy cannot go past seven. He shouldn't even get to one in your life. There should be a point in your life where the enemy can't even get to first base. All right? Okay, there's three pages, I think. Let's see what the other page says. Um, so fail, you have to turn it this summer that your sure thing isn't failure. Amen. Just turn it. Yep. Uh, here's, here's a clue. You can't look back on the family line. 
You sure can't look at the people in your industry or where you work. You cannot look at your location. You can't look at your gender, your age, your height, all your education. You can't look at those things to determine your value. They're all liars. None of them have spoken the truth in ever. Okay? But if you accept failure, you are devaluing yourself without God's appraisal input. So when you accept failure, you are saying to the appraisal, the appraiser of failure, I go with your appraisal. When God's right there, ready to tell you, remind you what your value and ability is. But you don't accept his, you don't even let him give you a chance, give him a chance to appraise you. You just went with the sure thing. In your, in, remember, fail, whatever failure you're failing at, it's a sure thing for the environment you're comfortable with. It's not a sure thing for the kingdom. It's a sure thing for the molding that's happened around you that you have accepted. Remember the Bible says don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed, right? Okay, so your mind transformation comes from you taking yourself outside of all the environmental barriers. And then the next step, though, you got to open your mouth. But see, people think silently of how great they are, but they are ashamed to say it out loud. I will fight with anybody who tells me I'm not something I say I am. I just will fight with you. You have to prove to me that I'm not. But in other flip side, people have to be proven that they are something great. You have to prove to me that I'm a loser. And you still won't win. When I say I could do something or I will do something or this thing will happen for me and you dare even voice a sound of disapproval, I'm all over your case. Like I am all up in your face. We're talking drag down, knock out. Don't have this conversation with me. You are never getting to the end of it. And I am not apologizing for any raised voice and how I said it. Thank you. Don't let me get the whip out because the the, the end level is getting a whip because Jesus did. I haven't had to go that far, but I will get a whip out if I have to and turn over tables. But you are not telling me who I am. No, I grew up in that environment too much. I busted out of there. I ain't going back. So you ain't telling me who I am. I decide who I am. Even if I say I'm not good at something, I said it. That's maybe the first level you can practice, right? Don't take it from somebody else. You have to start deciding what you say about yourself. And let the Holy Spirit correct you about yourself instead of having to have this, all this little, well, no, you're not that bad. That's still a victim. When somebody else has to reassure you of who you are, that's still being a victim. Okay. First Peter 5, 2 to 4. Oh, I, 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 we don't have time to go there, but write it down. First Peter 5, 2 to 4. It talks about shepherd and guide and protect the flock of God. This was an instruction that was being given to Christians, right? And I brought this up simply for the fact that there is such a position in the kingdom called a shepherd. Another word is a pastor. There's another thing that the devil messed up in the 80s. 
Oh, Jesus. Jesus is a great shepherd, and then they're under shepherds. They're called pastors. You need one. You need one. If you call yourself a sheep, you need a shepherd. That's just the bottom line. If you want to recreate the kingdom of how it works, then you're going to have to have this discussion with God. But until then, we're going to work with the system God created, right? And so you need to find a shepherd. You need to listen to the shepherd. If you think your shepherd is a hireling, leave the flock and go find one where they're not. I mean, seriously, this is like not a... But see, again, if you come across with like, well, all the churches did this to me and blah, 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 blah. Ha, ha, ha. Dirt. Dirt. (laughs) That's what you have to start saying. Dirt, dirt, dirt. Okay? Um, You have to get over yourself first before you can show your value. If you don't get over yourself, you're going to hide under dirt. And the dirt you're hiding under is all the victimization you've ever had. That's the dirt you're going to hide under. Um, uh, don't let the devil associate with you by what you went through on earth at his hand. That's still keeping an association. Again, if you never met the husband that abused you, if you never met the boss that was mean to you, if you never met the parents that were drug addicts, if you, you understand what I'm saying? If you never had those people in your life, would you be different? Right? You're old enough now that you can make some decisions that have nothing to do with any of those people. You could totally start fresh. When you see a tendency of theirs come up in you, you can accept or reject it based on what the fruit was that produced. You understand? If it was a good fruit, keep it going. If it's bad, kick it out. Smash it on the ground and just throw it away. Don't moan the fact that you have a terrible parent and everybody else has beautiful ones. Forget, like, get over it. So you have to get over yourself. This summer, get over yourself. All right. Deal with it. Okay. Uh, Remember, though, the precious blood of Jesus is the payment. It is unlimited, priceless. There's nothing that needs to be paid that it can't pay. So you should owe nothing. Now, here's your wealth. You should owe nothing. You don't owe the devil nothing. So that means you should be able to bring. You talk about, I'm working on wealth this summer, by the way. This is my thing. I'm working on health right now to make sure, you know, my muscles. First, got to realize I have to sleep. That's another thing. But uh, <laughs> and I'm developing wealth. And I'm going to go hard after it. Not that, I'm try- not that I love money. Here we go again. Oh, the love of money is the root of all evil. Well, <laughs> no, I love God, honey. I want to look, behave, live, look like royalty. Something on this earth should look like heaven has a glimpse of it. So I'm going to be focusing on that this summer. Just, I'm giving you a heads up. Uh, right? Everybody good? So in other words, the devil is of no benefit to your value. You could forget about all the stories you ever went through in life. Not have to say another one anymore. And you were still valuable to the kingdom and can still produce fruit. You don't have to produce fruit off of your story from what the enemy did to you. You know all those sermons? If you didn't have a test, you couldn't have a testimony. What a bunch of crock. (laughs) What a bunch of crock. All the things Jesus did. When was Jesus ever sick? 
Where was he tested with a sick te- testing? Anyways. Now you know why people don't like me too much. Okay. Like, it's one thing if that's, if that's what you know. But, like, it's not only the thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, now people, I, like I told Pastor Nadine and Nelson, I don't know if I told you guys, but I told somebody, <laughs> youth. You know what I have a problem with sometimes in youth and school and high school and stuff? When you bring all the ex-drug addicts in to talk about how they used to be this horrible drug addict. And, like, they used to sell drugs, do drugs, all this. And now, you know, you don't want to do drugs. And they're, like, millionaires talking to you. <laughs> This is a registering here. You're telling me you did all that stuff and got away with it, and now you're a millionaire? Like, what? Are you kidding me? Can you give me some of your connections? Like, sir? Yeah, that doesn't, no. But that's another way the devil developed new fruit. <sighs> your plan is always Jesus. He is your way over and above. Jesus is the end result. Jesus is the plan. Okay? All right. So everybody, this summer, you're going to start a number eight. A new beginning. Just number it eight. You didn't have to figure out what the seven were. Just say, I am starting a number eight. I mean, heck, Doug and I are starting a number 25. (laughs) And up from there. You understand what I'm saying? And I was thinking today about the church, you know. And uh, this year, like September, be 21 years and stuff. And I was thinking, you know, how many persecution uh, pastors go through have been in place for 20-some years, right? And, uh, and there's like, you know, the chairs are empty or whatever. And then I thought, you know, the funny thing is they started off when they had no experience. And so they've done things. They've kept it. Like the fact that they're still there 20 years later, that is remarkable. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like right there is remarkable because the point is now they're really trained because they've seen it all after 20 years. You see what I'm saying? So the fact that they suck around, like, but I, I know a lot of ministers that beat themselves up because it seems like nothing. But I was just thinking about that. I was like, you know, we need to give them some education here. You literally have overcome every single scenario there is in a church. <laughs> now you're really ready to take on the big, the big dogs. You understand what I'm saying? So we don't, the world wants you to look at things and categorize failure and success based on the world system. That's not how you function. Your value is in God's system when he, so faithfulness is a good value. Mm -hmm. Loyalty is good too, right? Winning every single battle that came, that's a really big one, which we can say we have won every single battle, right? That's how you decide your value, not who came and who left. That's how you decide your value. That's how you, and, and none of that decides your health or your wealth um, growing. Right? Because it's not, you're not a hireling. You work under the shepherd. He's the one that's responsible for all this stuff. Leads you beside still water, goodness, mercy, follow you, cup runs over, all that comes from him, not from how many sheep are there. You know what I'm saying? Like in the, in the, the shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want and stuff. There's no account for how many sheep gets that service. Think about it. It's just who's your shepherd. That's it. 
All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. I thank you for this word that it will go forth and bear much fruit all over the earth for generations to come. This summer, Father, week we say into the atmosphere. It is the most successful summer any one of us have ever had in our lifetime, in the history of any place we have ever lived, any family we've ever been part of, any event in our entire life, that this summer is the best, the greatest, and it builds momentum for future and future and future in levels never seen in any environment we've ever been in. And Father, we just speak that out in the atmosphere. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you will give us the power of the Word of God to to put in us, to uh, push forth the power of that momentum. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right, ladies.